Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to all the shit I've learned abroad. Hello and welcome to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad, a travel podcast about the good, the bad, and sometimes sticky situations that you can find yourself in while traveling abroad. This is a brand new podcast hosted by myself, Andrea, and my very good friend, Steph. Hey, Steph. Hello, hello, hello. And we've personally found ourselves in a lot of those good and bad and sticky situations while abroad ourselves. And because of that, we wanted to share some of those stories with you in hopes that they either can help you if you're ever in those situations or scenarios yourself, or otherwise just provide you with a good laugh at our expense. <laughs> so just a bit of background about Steph and I. So we're, we're two really good friends from back home. We're both from Canada, but now we live on complete opposite ends of the world. So we're recording this in two completely different cities. I'm in London, England. Steph is living over in Melbourne, Australia. She's Australian now. Uh, I'm British now. But actually, no, I really am British now. I got my citizenship. What was it last year? Mm-hmm. Steph, you're working. You're still working on it, aren't you? My residency. Ah, uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Just got the old spousal visa coming through. Don't let Andrew hear you say spousal. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, we're, we're recording this uh, two completely different time zones. Uh, we've, we've managed to find a good time for both of us, though. And uh, as we said, this this is just a, a podcast we wanted to put together for, you know, our, our common bond and love of, of travel. Um, but we often find when we're when we are traveling, we do get into some not so great situations. And we've both been in them individually while traveling, but also a lot of them together. Um, I think we should really start by telling everyone the first time we travel together, because that really set the bar for us. Yeah, and that is the, our, our first episode today. What we've decided to do, we've decided to go big. We're going to talk about when shit goes really wrong. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, a case of, like, traveler's diarrhea. Like, we're talking big. Uh, Steph, I'll let you kind of take it from there. And, and this is going into kind of our first traveling experience together and what happened. Yeah, well, definitely. So you and I, I'll never forget this. We were both. So I remember calling you. I had an itch. I'm like, I need to go somewhere. So I called you and I said, hey, do you want to go to India next week? 
and you were on board, but as it turns out, you need visas for India. It takes a little time. So oh, yeah. we went to London. I kind of forgot about that, that we, th- we talked about yeah. India. <laughs> Apparently that needs a little more planning than a week. Right, exactly. Uh, so we ended up deciding to go to London, England and Dublin, Ireland. Uh, much shorter flight, no visas required. So, oh, great, we go. We convince our works to let us off. And then we arrive in London. We have a jolly old time. A couple days later, we head over to Dublin. We were about there, what, a day, two days? I think we were there, yeah. I mean, we were in London, what, two days before, for two full days before that, which, can I just add, we didn't see any of London. It was our first time, I think, really, like, traveling to another country. And I think we spent the majority of that time in the hostel that we were staying at. Yeah. And just enjoying the... (laughs) We went to Buckingham Palace. I think that was about it. Oh, yeah. That was... Yeah. Buckingham Palace. That's all you need to see in London. Definitely is the first time on checklist. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. No, it was... But you're right. It was was like two days London. Then we flew to Dublin. And then that's when all hell broke I'll never forget. So we're walking down Grafton Street. And I get a text from my mother... And she says, all planes in Europe are grounded. And I read it to you and I laughed because my mother is a frequent over-exaggerator. If she stubs her yeah, toe, it's like that. she broke it. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, mom. Um, so anyways, you and I go for lunch. We go to the pub. And sure enough, the BBC is on and all planes in Europe are grounded. So this was back in April 2010. And what happened, Andrea? Um, I don't know. What happened? Uh, so <laughs> the planes were grounded. I remember us, we were sitting in a pub. I don't actually this was remember a what happened. a moment remember, in our life and you've forgotten. Well, I, like, I can't remember every small detail. The small because detail. Because Guinness, we'd been drinking. The small detail I was referring to was a volcano had erupted in Iceland. <laughs> oh, you mean quite literally what yes. happened? I, th- I thought you were talking like quite literally what, or, or literally what was what happened at that second we realized that we were no. fucked and we were going to be stuck. Yeah, no, no, no. It was it was a volcano in Iceland. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is a pretty important part of this story. Yeah, no, no, no. That I mean that that's the main the the main part there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a volcano erupted, and I mean I didn't even know this was a thing where it it it, it as you said grounded all flights. Within Europe and Dublin being the like epicenter. the epicenter of all of it, yeah, it we were we were in the sort of eye of the storm. So to I speak. remember at the time. So this either happened on a Tuesday and we were supposed to fly out Thursday, or it happened on doesn't matter. How do you remember these like little details? I can't even remember <laughs> well, the, quite like the, a volcano, and you're sitting here going, "It was a Tuesday at three thirty. I mean, no. you have a way better memory well, than no, I do because I just remember. I said back to my mom, I said, "Oh yeah, it actually is that bad." But we're flying out in two days. We'll be fine. And we were not fine. Okay. The European airspace no. was closed. Now, not all of Europe. Uh, a lot of countries were able to open up over the next few days. However, being in the epicenter of it in Dublin, we were there for about an extra week. And I'll never forget, yeah. you and I went for lunch one day, and we were honestly eating bread. Like, our meals were bread, because we were trying to stretch our money so <laughs> Carbs. And yeah. the waitress all the said all the garlic us, bread. the waitress said... Oh, it looks like this might actually go into May. And me and you just looked at each other and we're like, we can't, we can't be here until May. This would have been a month. <laughs> we have lives. <laughs> oh, I mean, thank God we didn't have like children or real lives at the time. We were like in our early twenties, no real responsibilities except, mm-hmm. 
you know, jobs we didn't really like that much anyways. But I remember besides that, I remember emailing my HR woman and being like, hey, Susan, so I don't know when I'm coming back. There's a volcano. And thankfully, I mean, it was worldwide news. This wasn't a small uh, localized thing. So it was all in the news worldwide. And she was like, yeah, I'm watching it on the news. I was thinking about you. Uh, you know, when you get back, you get back. So thankfully, work-wise, too. Well, I, I remember your work being quite cool about it. I remember getting um, an email from my boss and him saying, well, I've got, I, what did he, what was his words exactly? It was something like, oh, I hope you've got the vacation time to cover no. this. And I was like, what? Excuse-? And I remember when I got back, when we finally did, but I don't mean to ruin the story. We did eventually make it back in the end. I know I, I am in the UK yeah. now, but I have been Andrea never returned years. home. Um, I never, yeah. No, no, I did move here eventually. Um, Later that year, actually, funny enough. But anyways, uh, I remember going back into work and, yeah, my boss at the time was trying to make me take the extra, I think it was uh, like six working days or six, six, um, yeah, six working days total in the end that we were there, maybe five. And yeah, he tried to take them off my uh, vacation time. But thankfully, we had someone working in HR who she basically told him to buzz off um, and said that it was an act of God. And I guess that's like a term thing in like HR terms. Um, and she said, you know, I had no control over it, which I didn't. I mean, the only way we would have been able to get back was by boat, we which we did look into. Did we not? I remember <laughs> that. Forget. We were looking into boats, taking a boat and we would have yeah. had to take a boat back to America and then go into Canada. Yeah. Oh, and I just yeah. remember when and we were researching taken, this like, thinking, this is really our lives at this moment. We, we yeah. don't know how well, to get I, back to North America. Yeah. And Steph, actually, so so the scenario that we were in, okay, right. So it kind of sucked. But A, we were in a country that is not the worst country to be stuck in if you're going to be stuck somewhere. B, we thankfully had a place to stay. So Steph has some family in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were nice enough to let us crash on their tiny spare bedroom floor, yes. which was... I mean, that was, that was cozy. Well, let's clarify that because you get a bit grumpier than I do. Sometimes you had a bed. I slept on the floor. (laughs) I like a tiny single bed. You just tried to wrap us. We were both sleeping on the floor. No, I slept on the floor. (laughs) I mean, you can sleep anywhere though. I've seen you sleep on many floors before and you seem to be fine. (laughs) I, on the other hand, I'm a very fussy sleeper. So yeah, I'm all on that. Yeah, I had the bed. Um, but yeah, so we had a place to stay. We were in Dublin. We were actually having a pretty great time. Like we were going, we were pretty much going out every night as you would do. What else are you going to do? We were going to the pubs. We were down at Temple Bar, but everyone was so accommodating Mm -hmm. in Dublin. Yeah. I mean, not, maybe not everyone, but where we were going, we met a lot of like locals. Um, there was pubs that were giving out vouchers for like free food. They were offering even like a free beer at some places. I mean, yeah, I remember if you showed like, them you your really flight complain. to show you weren't supposed to be there anymore. If you showed them that, yeah. a lot of places were giving out free pints. Yeah, and we like it was, it was that. all right. It was, we well, yeah, we did. But I mean, who who wouldn't? Um, but yeah, I mean, we tried to make light of it, uh, considering uh, it could have been a lot worse. Um, but I think in the in the end, after we got stuck there we both like kind of once we did eventually make it back Mm -hmm. i don't like would you say it kind of 
shaped us oh, a little definitely. bit. I think that was the turning point for both of the lives completely. I mean, I, I mean, we both ended up, well, not just me, Steph and I both ended up actually moving later that year to London. Yeah. Um, yeah so we got back about mid late April and then we moved yeah. to London in November because we both, I think yeah. a couple weeks after being back, we realized, you know, we want, we want to do more. We want to see more. We want, we wanted that feeling again. And I think we started planning what a couple weeks later. We, yeah, I think we just realized we were, like you said, we were bored. We were at a standstill. We were both, what, in our early 20s, mm-hmm. um, just wanted to change. And I think, yeah, you know, who knows if us getting stuck in Dublin uh, versus us just visiting Dublin and London just on our holiday would have been any, you know, made us feel any different. But I, I know when we got back, we definitely had this this feeling of, right, we need to, like, up and go. And instead of going on some other vacation we decided let's go big or go home. And so we moved and I've, and this is, this is why I'm here. So to, to round that story up, this is why I'm still here. It's been going on nine years. Uh, well, I guess just past eight years and I'm still living over in the UK. Um, and because of it, I've traveled a lot more. I've seen a lot more of the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it, it, it definitely shaped, uh, you know, part of our lives and, 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 you know, while I'm still in the UK, Steph's now, you, you've moved on. You've left <laughs> me did. and you've moved on to like another mm-hmm. part of the world, which is cool. Um, but moving on from that, so that that was our first, this was our first travel experience together with Steph and I. We'd never, I mean, we'd done like some road trips together, which we'll save that for another episode. Um, but we really thought this would have been like the worst possible <laughs> thing to happen. How wrong we um, were. While traveling together. But Oh, how wrong we were. I think... Well, flash forward. Actually, if you flash forward almost exactly five years. Mm-hmm. Was it five years? Are we talking about Yes, yes Egypt? we are. So, okay. I... So, Andrea... So, flash forward five years. Andrea's in London. I'm back home in Canada. And I decide I'm going to quit my job at that time and travel around the world for a year. Go backpacking. And I did that. So by the time I got to Egypt, I'd been all through South America, Africa, and I was at the tail end of my African trip. And so you decided to fly over and meet me in Egypt. I'd been there for a few days at that time. Yeah. And that was like the closest, closest country, I think. Like you weren't doing any of Europe. So of all places, it was Egypt, which actually looking back was not that, like it's still like four hours from here. <laughs> like It's a pretty like long haul flight. Anyways continue so I spent a couple days in <laughs> Egypt I'm waiting to do the pyramids till Andrea arrives so you get in you got in pretty late at night I think your flight would touch down at 1 in the morning it was like mid it was yeah I think like by the time I got to the hostel we were staying at it was like it was 1 yeah a.m. well you so we leading up to you arriving we were making jokes because at the time the travel advisory for Egypt was to avoid all non-essential travel which we'll get into more on that later yeah but we decided we would just do a couple days in Egypt, see the pyramids. I figured I'm only doing an around-the-world trip once. I want to see the pyramids while I'm doing it. So we were kind of joking leading up to that. You touch down. You arrive at the hostel at 1 in the morning. We catch up for a bit. 2 in the morning, you go, we go to bed. And 6 in the morning comes around. Might have been about 6.15. And I'm fast asleep. Yeah. And I think it took about a millisecond maybe to be on my feet. Because 
the building started shaking. I have a I I have a different version of like just from just to add to this. Steph and I were both staying in different rooms because um, Steph was traveling with mm-hmm. a friend. They were sharing a two bed hostel room. I so I had a, a separate room, and I also woke up to. Um, the building kind of shaking and I heard this sort of loud boom while Steph jumped out of bed. And that like, that's, I mean, I wasn't there to see it, uh, but that's what she says. She did. I sort of opened my eyes and then just kind of rolled over. And went back to <laughs> well, sleep. before you went back to so, sleep, you messaged me though. And you said, <laughs> no, I messed, no, I messaged you in no, the morning. No, no, no. You messaged me as soon as it oh, happened. Really? Oh, I thought I did. And you said, if that was ISIS, I'm going to kill you. And then you went back to sleep. Oh, Oh, yeah, maybe that's what happened. One of my half-awake text messages, which I tend to do quite often. I send them and sort of forget. I'll never forget it. So the building started shaking, the debris from... Now, I'm not saying the building was falling down. Debris from the roof, because the infrastructure of the building was so old that when the building shook, dirt, everything started coming down on my white sheets. Because I remember my white sheets turned this kind of yellow color. And... yeah. Always great for us. Yeah, no one, no one seemed concerned, so I just went back to bed as well. And when we woke up, mm. I remember we were being picked up at 8.30. So my alarm went off at 8, and I had breaking news alerts. I had messages from friends, family, people. You know how you have those people on Facebook you don't really talk to? I had messages from people I had not talked to in years. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So... ISIS had blown up a car in front of the Italian consulate. And in doing so, which was the Italian consulate came down just a few houses down from us. It was like, why, like two blocks yeah, away? Distance wise, it was about a kilometer down the road. But okay. which is no, not, not far. far at all. So I, I had messages, breaking news alerts. Um, yeah, pretty much. We woke up to a bomb. And then went back to sleep. We woke up to a car bomb. And and can I can I just say, Steph had uh, a variety of messages from loved ones, friends, people she barely speaks to. I had nothing. <laughs> Nobody messaged me in the morning. It seems like no one really gave a shit. I don't know if my family just doesn't like read the news or like know what's going on. But I literally had 
no no concern from anyone that i even know so just pointing i'm just gonna <laughs> put, put your family on blast and that, that john um, yeah thanks guys i mean i don't know if they knew what happened but no, no one in my family my my sister my parents no one messaged me to see you know i i just i obviously they didn't know what happened i'm uh, sure they they would have messaged me but they obviously weren't watching the i bet your coworker was concerned um, the one who gave you heck for going to egypt but he probably shook his head and was like you reap what you sow. Oh, yeah. No, that was uh, one person when I came back to work, and he exactly that. He was like, yeah, I heard what happened, but he also told me before I left, um, you know, the, what was it, 2015? I mean, it wasn't a great time to be visiting Cairo, um, but, you know, whatever. We decided to go anyways because we're badass like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I came back, and he kind of said, yeah, you know, I told you so. Like, why? But in the end... So, like, I mean, yeah, waking up, I think, firstly, if we just talk about the actual noise and what it's like, what it's like to wake up to a car bomb, like a car, like a car exploding, like we could, I have woken up to that before. And I'll just say it kind of just sounded like a car backfiring. That said, it was a bomb a kilometer away. So you can kind of gauge from that, like how... It was close, but it was far enough that it was still like shaking the windows and making debris. Well, I remember when it happened, I said to Priya and she, I think, was even less concerned than I was because I said something bad just happened. For the record, Priya is is Steph's friend that she was traveling with. She's the one who quit her job as well. And we decided to go around the world together. Yeah. Um, I turned and looked at Priya and I said something bad just happened. But no, that was it. In in the hall, like the people working in the hostel were still just sitting at the desk. Like no one flinched. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe that was a normal sound, and maybe the building just shakes sometimes. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, and that's I think the 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 thing that I I sort of learned from that whole experience was in Egypt. Like this was like a normal. What did the guy? What did the guy at the hostel say? He's Remember, like, oh, so like- you asked him, you asked him if we should, and you're being serious. You said, yeah. should we, should we leave Egypt? Because a bunch of people yeah. at home, of course, they're, they're saying, get out of there now. So you asked the hostel worker if we should leave. And he was like, Bleh. what did he say? Oh, yeah. it's not bombing he, he season, said, wasn't uh, it? He said, yeah, no, that was it. He said, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried. Don't worry. It's not bombing season. And he said it very straight face. I he don't know so if he dry. was half joking, he was but either joking. way. He was joking, but I just thought, I'm like, how absolutely bizarre is that where, like, you know, living in England and being from Canada and stuff living in over in Australia, if a car bomb exploded down the street from me here, like, it would be, it would be huge news. It would be all over the place. People would not be going about their regular day. Whereas in Cairo, no one really gave a shit. Like, we actually went down to go see where it exploded um, because we were curious and like people were just sort of walking by it. Like it was nothing. There's a yeah. few people that stopped to kind of take photos and I don't know, just, but I mean, everyone just went about their day and it, like, that's like, it's, but, it's, but I always compare this to, if you remember a few years back, there was a shooting at the Eaton center in Toronto, which is shocking. Yeah. Uh, shootings definitely happen in Toronto, but for one to happen at the Eaton center was kind of a bit of a big deal, but what do you do? So everyone yeah. did go about their day. And that's kind of what I compare it to in my head is that, yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, I think it happened since it was six in the morning when the bomb went off. I remember someone explaining to me this and this blew my mind. They explained that it was a message bomb. 
It wasn't yeah. meant to be a mass casualty bomb. They were sending a message, and that's why they set it off at 6 a.m. So there wouldn't be, you know, people right. on so at the Right, so they weren't looking yet. to actually injure anyone or kill anyone. It was just like a, a warning, like, hey, we're... And in the end, sorry, what, um, it was ISIS, was it not? It was ISIS, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So my, my predictions, and when I had said if that was ISIS... and I mean, Yeah, I guess I'm sure when I said that, sent that message that early in the morning, I didn't think it was you know, that big of a deal. I didn't think it was, I, I did, I really did think it was, uh, like a, yeah, a, a truck backfiring or something, something more explainable or something more realistic and what I'm used to than, yeah. A it's car funny. Bomb. Cause I think the people of Egypt, their attitudes about it shaped our attitudes about it. Cause there was a brief period of time where we were pretty alarmed. And then I started thinking, I remember one, yeah. one of my old coworkers, a contractor from a job, sent me a message and he was very much like, you need to leave now. And because of what the people of Egypt were like, I was like, well, what are the chances it's going to happen again now? Well, it's true. Like, we've- And wasn't it, uh, I, I remember you telling me a story, like not, not during while we were there, but afterwards that you were speaking to someone maybe from, because you went to Luxor after. Yeah. And some and a woman was saying to you that you know people in Egypt when they hear about shootings in the U.S. Yes, and like even Canada. I mean, we don't have as many in the U.S., but it does happen in Canada as well. When they hear about shootings, they are scared to travel to places like the U.S. Whereas us, uh, you know, people from from either the U.K. or uh, you know Canada or the, America, we hear about bombings and we're scared to visit those countries. And it's like what's normal to them, where like a little car bomb goes off here and there, and a little you know school shooting happens in the states all the time, where we do kind of turn a blind eye to it because we're so used to it. I mean, how? Well, that's it's, why. It is... So what she was saying was, and this goes to show how much the media can shape or misshape your perceptions. Is she could not understand or wrap her mind around how a parent could send their child to school in America. Now, mm-hmm. granted, a lot of people they wrap Canada. It's a North America mentality. Yeah. Um, but she could not wrap her mind around how any loving parent could send their child to school. Because since all they see on the news over there is when a school shooting happens, their perception is if you send your children to school, they're going to be shot. Which is very much, you know, about many countries in the Middle East is you think there's bombs going off every day. Which there's not. The irony of us telling this story to the point I'm trying to make is not lost on me. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and and I just came back from one of the most amazing trips I've ever done in the Middle East I I was over in uh, I went to Jordan and I went to Oman and I have never like those two countries were absolutely beautiful and the people there were some of the nicest people I ever met and and before I went like there was people saying to me they're like oh you're going you're going on a trip to the Middle East like are you are you worried about bombings are you and I was like uh, no, like, it's not like it happens all the time. It's not like it happens everywhere. And and again, to put it into perspective, it is no different than, you know, certain tragedies that happen in the countries that we're from. And, um, you know, I guess that's just like the, the beautiful thing about traveling is that you, it opens your eyes to a lot of misconceptions. Know. Uh, yes. Yeah. Misconceptions. I, I mean, I guess, yeah, don't I guess don't believe everything that you, you know, see on the news and and read on the internet and, you know, get out there and travel and see the world and then you'll, you know, you you can you can spark your can own I opinion. Can I just say that? 
So we went to Egypt and my parents had been dreaming about going to Egypt for years. Mm -hmm. And they were of the generation that you work your whole life and then you travel once you retire. So they both just retired and they really wanted to go to Egypt, but they weren't because of the travel advisories. And after you and I went, my mom, my parents are pretty badass themselves. My mom was like, so how was Egypt, you know, bomb aside, how was Egypt? And I told her I loved it. To be honest, I'd go back in a heartbeat. And because they'd been thinking by the time Egypt was considered safe again, they might be too old to travel. So they decided to go to Egypt after we did, despite the bombing. And they, they went for two weeks and they had the time. They loved it. So, well, that's it. And that's the thing. It's great. Yes, it's important to look at travel advisories. But again, just to put maybe that into perspective, only a few years ago, Canada was on, uh, do you remember SARS, the yes. SARS outbreak? And when I say SARS outbreak, like, yeah, right. A few people got SARS and like, it was very kind of isolated. And Back like, in, this is 2003, I think it was more I believe. like Southern, 2002, two? Yeah. two or one, I don't know, it was like early that. And so Canada was on like a travel alert, you know, people, they were saying, oh, don't go there. And at one point there was West Nile disease. I tried to give blood in the UK not too long ago and because I was from Canada they they you know wouldn't let me because they were like ah oh, well West Nile like <laughs> this is what it, it's crazy it's, it's crazy where you know and so it's the same thing people that are from Egypt or these Middle Eastern countries are like all right yeah like a bomb went off down the street but it's not like totally unsafe and you know so at the end of the day take them with a grain Definitely. of salt I mean there's Obviously, still places you're not going to go and you're not going to travel to at this moment in time. But well, and I think what people don't realize, too, is travel yeah. advisories, a lot of them are very region specific. So it will say yeah, exactly. if you are traveling to Egypt, do not go to XYZ regions. And normally, if you're going yeah. there as a tourist, you're not going to those regions anyways. Cairo is the exception. When I was, not that there was a travel advisory, but when I was in Jordan, I had people saying to me, like, ooh, do you really want to go there? It's right next to Syria. I'm like, well, yeah, it's next to it, but no one's doing anything to Jordan. They have no, like, yes, it's close by, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the entire country yeah. is going to be unsafe to go. Which to is Syria. funny because um, most people understand the concept of even in any big city. So you take Toronto, you take New York city, you take Chicago. Mm. Everyone understands it's very neighborhood based where you go and where you don't go. Um, if you go downtown yeah. Toronto, there's neighborhoods that you don't go to. It's kind of, yeah. yeah of and people understand that concept, but yet they can't relate it to a country. So that was Egypt aside. The next one that comes to mind for me, and it's weird that you weren't with me since everyone jokes that you and I can't travel together anymore. Yeah. I was definitely not on this one with her. So, I mean, if God, if I was, God knows what would happen. And honestly, this was, I'm thinking timelines, I went to India from, this would have only been about a month and a half later after Egypt. So I was in China and I flew into Beijing and I'd, I'd spent some time in Shanghai already. And then I flew to Beijing. And the one thing everyone tells you who's been to Beijing is that the air quality is awful. It's, it's smoggy. You can barely see. You feel like you're choking to breathe. So you have so, to wear like a scarf or a mask like while yeah. you're walking down the street. Kind so of thing. that was my expectation heading into Beijing. So when I stepped off the plane, it was beautiful. The sky was pristine, blue, 
everything was great. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, what is everyone? This is another thing everyone's exaggerated about. And what I quickly right. what I quickly learned is I touched down in Beijing a few days before they were holding a military parade. Uh, it was a commem- 70th anniversary commemoration parade of World War II ending. And everyone was flying in. Putin was flying in for it. Ban Ki-moon of the United Nations was flying in for it. It was a big deal. So Big party. <laughs> yeah. big, big crew. Big very crew. exclusive, invite only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we think of parades at home and we think you can go line the streets and watch. No, not so much in China. Um, so Tiananmen Square was closed. Uh, you could, it wasn't open to the public. We were going to have to wait to see it after the parade, which was fine. Tourists were being arrested because some people were trying to hop the fences that were surrounding Tiananmen Square. That's a big mm. no-no. Uh, so we did hear yeah. of a number of tourists who were being arrested. So we figured, oh, we'll wait till after. We did a whole bunch of other things. And for the day of the parade, they had set a radius that tourists and people were not allowed to be in. And we were staying at a hostel that was just outside that radius. So we were fine. And then the day before the parade, as best we can figure it, the military or the government decided to expand the radius. So thankfully, we were still in the hostel that morning. The military police come in, guns and all, evacuating our hostel. They decided, no, we were too close. We needed to get out. So we were there. Wow. Yeah, we were there. We had all our stuff. That's, I mean... What's scarier to wake up to? A car bomb exploding or <laughs> military personnel with a gun in your face? <laughs> well, wasn't quite gun in my face, but they definitely came in oh. with their guns. I mean, that's what I picture. Just wake up. <laughs> and then <laughs> no. a barrel just, yeah, staring into it. Anyways. <laughs> I think I might have laughed if that happened. But, um, yeah, so we just threw our backpack. We just threw our backpacks on and started walking. We went to the subway and this was not just, you know, Priya and I, this was everyone in the hostel en masse. We were all walking together to the subway and we're all on our, you know, on hostelworld.com saying, Ooh, you know, what's further away. And we did, we found somewhere else and we were told that the day of the parade, people were not to be out. They were not to be walking and that people would be shot on sight. Now, I don't know wow. I don't know how true that is or not, but this is what the Chinese people were telling us. They were saying, yeah. do not go outside the day of the parade. They will shoot on sight. So I guess, and like, you telling this story and how people were reacting to what was happening in China for this versus how the locals in Egypt were acting over this car explosion, like... I feel like you, in being in, in China, you were probably freaking out a little bit more just because it seemed like people were taking it a lot more seriously like it was a bigger deal yeah uh, i mean yeah it, well, it was kind of like you've been warned and you'll act accordingly i right what it did give me was more of appreciation you know people so often talk about uh, freedom and all of that and i find generally as a tourist when you go to china it's be- honestly, China is beautiful. So many of the things I saw were stunning. My experiences were great. And that was just that little reminder of, well, they're not quite free. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience. That's for sure. Uh, it definitely gives you more of a greater appreciation for your home. And I hear a lot of people who don't travel 
speaking about how their country is the greatest, but they don't have things to base that on. And these experiences I find that I have, those are the little things yeah. that make me appreciate everything about Canada that much. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know what? That, that's a good way. I think to end this first episode on a high note, I know we, I mean, <laughs> it got a bit dark there where we were talking about some really like deep experiences or scary experiences, but I think in our next episode, we should, uh, maybe we should keep it light. What are we going to do for episode two? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say we should do getting lost, but. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I that could be lighter. That Definitely. Could be yeah. Well, I think who knows? We'll see. We'll okay. see what happens next episode two. We'll talk about getting lost. I'm sure you guys have been there. You're in a, a foreign country. You don't know where the hell you're going. Um, you know, the days before Google Maps, I have no idea what I did. Well, actually, I do know what I did. I got lost quite a lot. And I have some <laughs> stories about that, um, which we'll share with you next time. All right. So thanks for listening. And we will see you next episode. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That shit drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod and donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening. 